Good morning. Good morning. Let's sing this morning. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together, bind us together with love. There is only one God, there is only one King, there is only one body. And that is why we can sing. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with love. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Uh, in case you haven't met uh, Zach and Elena and Roland, Zach's leading worship for us this morning. They are new here, but if you haven't met them, please uh, take an opportunity to do that. And we're just we're thankful for his service. I grew up uh, going out to Camp Yamhill with Zach, so I've known him uh, for a long time. He's a pretty good guy. He's a pretty good guy. <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm sure, like many of you, I've just been thinking a lot about just how long we've kind of endured through this difficult time and just confusing time. And we sing, you know, this song, Bind Us Together. And there are times when I know I have felt just that deep frustration of, man, how, how are we bound together when we have to sit you know, farther apart and, and just all of our sense of normalcy is, just seems to be so upside down. But I'm reminded this morning that it doesn't matter how physically close we are, we are still one body. We are still bound together. And that's, that's really encouraging to me that we can't lose that. We really can't. We have brothers and sisters all over the country, all over the world, and we are worshiping with them today um, in the spirit. And we don't even always get to see them, but what a blessing that is. And uh, I'm just, I'm thankful that this morning I can come and know that that truth is a reality. Um, so I invite you to our worship time this morning. I invite you to Lift up your hearts to God. Lift up your minds to God. And let's, let's worship him together. And as we continue to do that, let's, let's pray together. Father God, I'm just, I'm thankful to be here this morning uh, with my family. And I'm, I'm just encouraged uh, by the many faces that I see and uh, many that I know are, are with us in spirit online. God, we just pray, uh, we pray for safety, we pray for uh, an end in sight to um, just all of this craziness that we've been experiencing. But most of all, Father, I pray that we will remember who we are and whose we are, that we are your children, that you have given us a mission to be uh, the love of Christ and the light of Christ. 
um, in our families, in our community, in this place, God. And I, I pray that you would fill our hearts and minds uh, with that truth, that we are your love, that we are your light. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Thank you again for that introduction, Kyle. Appreciate it. Yes, I did grow up out here. I've met plenty of you, uh, but I see a lot of new faces as uh, things kind of come back to normal. Um, and I grew up out here. I actually went to Metro Church of Christ pretty much my whole life. Uh, know Sean and Nancy Jones uh, and a lot of other folks uh, kind of in the area. Uh, so it is tremendous to be here, tremendous to help lead service this morning. Um, so uh, if, if I haven't met you yet, I'm so sorry. I'll make my rounds uh, once, uh, you know, everything is, is uh, we're able to do so in a good setting, but I'm, we're always here after service, so we'd love to meet you as well. Um, let's worship this morning. <clears throat> we gather here in Jesus' name. His love is burning in our hearts like living flame. For through the loving Son, the Father makes us one. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the Lord. No one is a stranger here. Everyone belongs. Finding our forgiveness here. We in turn forgive all wrongs. He joins us here. He breaks the bread. The Lord who pours the cup is risen from the dead. The one we love the most is now our gracious host. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the Lord. We are now a family of which the Lord is head. Though unseen, he meets us here in the breaking of the We'll gather soon where angels sing. We'll see the glory of our Lord and coming King. Now we anticipate the feast for which we wait. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the Lord. <clears throat> Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. 
birds I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And when I think of God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. O God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. And I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways, and step by step you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. Oh God, you are my God, 
And I will ever praise you, and I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways, and step by step you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days, and I will follow you all of my days. And I will follow you all of my days. And step by step, you'll lead me. And I will follow you all of my days. This morning's reading of the scriptures is found in the book of Deuteronomy. And we're going to be looking at chapter 31, verses 1 through 6. Deuteronomy 31, verse, starting with verse 1. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy those, these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Ammonites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31, 1 through 6. May God bless the reading of his word. Good morning. I still haven't learned to take my mask off before the scripture reading is done, and so I always have that awkward moment where I'm putting my mic on, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to click it on and then put it on and then come up here. Anyway, it's, it's a weird sort of thing that uh, I'm looking forward to not having to worry about anymore, not having, having to think about. Um, we've been through kind of a weird year. It's, it's uh, you know, Kyle mentioned this last year, in some ways it's been frustrating, in other ways it's been enlightening, uh, in other ways it's allowed us to kind of observe uh, things about ourselves maybe we didn't know as a congregation before. It's, it's given us an opportunity for reflection and, and thinking and processing uh, our identity. And Kyle and I have been talking a lot about uh, this, this idea of regrouping that we see happening in Scripture, where God's people, after a period of time, regroup. 
And that word can mean a number of different things. It could mean that they, they rediscover their purpose as a people. It means that they literally come back together after having been apart or away for a period of time. Uh, it, it may even just be a significant transition in what God calls them to do. And for the next few weeks, we're going to look at this idea of regrouping as it appears in different moments in Scripture. We're kind of going through a little bit of a regrouping ourselves. Uh, there, are, there are ways in which we are kind of going through these same processes uh, as the Israelite people do throughout Scripture, as God's people are continually called to. And this morning, uh, I want to I reflect on an opportunity we had to regroup, uh, to do something that we have done in the past and uh, were not able to do a year ago, but through some creative thought process, we, we regrouped and we uh, came back together with a new idea and a new way of doing things. We decided that we were going to egg families in our congregation. Uh, and that sounds a little scary at first because we usually associate egging people with, you know, like throwing rags at their home and making a mess and vandalism and juvenile delinquency. Um, that was not our intention this year. Instead, what we decided to do is we, we were gonna go ahead and deliver some uh, pre-stuffed eggs to families within our congregation. You know, last year we didn't do an Easter egg hunt here at the building, uh, which is something that our congregation has done for many years. Uh, we chose not to do it last year because we were in the midst of uh, what we thought was gonna be about a two or three week, maybe a month long uh, period of time that things were a little weird and different, and then we'd get back together and we'd have a big celebration. and. Uh, well, uh, you know, here we are over a year later, and things, things have not progressed the way we thought they would. But we have the blessing of being able to bless some of the children in our congregation, and these are some pictures that came back from this. Uh, several members of our congregation, my wife, uh, my daughter, uh, David and Danielle Crump, uh, they helped to deliver some eggs around to different members of our congregation. And as they were delivered, uh, some of them were hidden for kids to be able to find themselves. Uh, some of them were hidden by the family members so that they could, you know, kind of participate in the process as well. Um, David and Danielle, as they left our house, they hid the eggs out in our front yard for Emma, and she uh, got the opportunity to hunt for them. My son, who's 12 years old, was not at all interested in hunting for eggs, uh, and so we did not have him participate in that. Um, but as you can see, we had the opportunity to bless members of our congregation this way. And in some ways, this is the kind of regrouping that we're beginning to do. And it's going to come in different stages, and there are going to be different ways in which we begin this process of rediscovering who we are as a congregation. And I think in a lot of ways, things are going to look a little more normal in the near term than we, we would have probably anticipated even a month or two ago. Uh, things are moving at a, a rate that I don't think most of us expected at the time, uh, but we're excited that it is. And so we're excited, first of all, to have more people back in the building. Uh, you know, we've learned over the last year that there are still ways to remain connected as a congregation, even if we're not all here in person, as Kyle pointed out. We've rediscovered that the thing that binds us together is not necessarily proximity on Sunday morning, but proximity in our purpose, our mission, our love for one another, and our love for Christ. And so we find opportunities to be gathered or regrouped throughout the week, uh, through calling one another, visiting with one another on front porches, uh, finding people that we're comfortable having as sort of our, our, our six or seven people that we have regular, frequent, in-person contact with. We're regrouping. That's a normal thing to do. And it's not something unusual for us today. This is, as I said, 
a theme that occurs throughout Scripture. And so this morning, I want to look at what we're going to call the 40-year pause that Israel goes through. And I want to suggest to you this morning that this is maybe the, the biggest example of regrouping that we see in the early part of the Old Testament. Uh, in fact, we're going to cover several books this morning in small pieces. I'm not going to try and cover entire uh, you know, parts of the Torah, but let's go ahead and we're going to talk about Exodus for just a moment. When we get to the end of the book of Exodus, which has been a story about God calling his people out of Egypt, giving them a new identity, giving them a, a culture and a purpose and, and a shared set of uh, principles and practices. He gives them an entire calendar filled with feasts. He gives them this entire uh, system of religion and practice of worship towards him. And at the end of the book, we're actually left in a really good state of things. Now, the Israelites have made some mistakes. They've, they've worshipped an idol. Uh, they've complained and grumbled against God and Moses. But the end of the book leaves off very hopefully. Here in chapter 40, it says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. This is the culmination of them preparing the implements of worship. And the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. Okay, keep in mind, Moses has been up on the mountain in the presence of God where the cloud has settled on the mountain before. He's been in the presence of the Lord. He's experienced the fire and the burning bush, right? Moses, of all people, has had close encounters with God. But God's presence is so powerful in this moment that even Moses can't enter into the tent Moses, the man whose face glows after he comes off the mountain, having seen the backside of God's glory, the after image of God's movement past him, can't enter into the tent. God's presence is so strong amongst his people. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle throughout all their journeys. Whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up, for the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. This is the end of the book, and this is kind of an exciting moment because God is dwelling among his people. He is literally leading them forward in the wilderness. This is a really good image. And if we left off at this point in the book of Acts, I think most of us would assume we know where they're supposed to be going. They're going to the promised land. If God is leading them, if he's present among them, if, if his, his person, his man is there who has, you know, led the people as well, this has to be like a no-brainer situation. They're just going to walk right in and take over the land. And of course, we know that's not what happens. But the book of Exodus ends this way because it wants to remind us that God was present among his people in the wilderness, that he was not distant or far from them. And it serves as a reminder to the Israelites of the state that they were in before they arrived at the Jordan River, prepared to cross over for the conquest of Canaan. And then we get to the book of Numbers. We read there, the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel, by clans, by fathers' houses, according to the number of names, every male head by head, from 20 years old and upward, all in Israel who are able to go to war, you and Aaron shall list them company by company. The beginning of this book is about the preparations for 
the conquest of Canaan. That's how numbers begins. We're gonna take a census. We're gonna know what we got to fight with. This is our army. God has placed amongst us people who are capable and qualified to go in there and do the thing he said that he's gonna do. And even if they, they weren't capable, even if they weren't qualified, we know from the end of the book of Exodus that God is amongst them. And when they weren't capable or qualified to free themselves from Egypt, he did that for them. And so we begin the book of Numbers with this thought process that, you know, this is, this is going to go well. God is giving them all the tools they need, including himself, for the fight that lays ahead. And this is, this is a good moment in Scripture because Moses then goes and he does number the people. He counts them up. He figures out exactly how large the armies are. And it's called numbers because he numbers the men, the tribes. He has all of the, the, the chiefs of these people figured out and what they're going to do and where they're going to go and how they're going to lead the men. The battle preparations are set in place. The book of Numbers begins with the expectation that Exodus has left us with. Now, yeah, there's Leviticus in there, right? And Leviticus is this whole book of law that explains to the people how they will be the people of God and the expectations that God has for them. But the book of Numbers is supposed to be the beginning of the conquest. And so we would think that by the time we get to the end of the book of Numbers, the promised land is taken care of. That's not the case, because right in the middle of the book, what ends up happening is this. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. And so they get together these 12, 12 spies, and they say, go into the land, come back and give us a report. And this is God's idea. Hey, I want you to know what you're getting into, but remember, I'm with you. Because this is what God has already said to them. I will give you this land. And the spies go in, and there's 12 of them, and we have a song that we sing in Sunday school about it. Ten, uh, 12 men went to spy on Cain, and 10 were bad, and 2 were good. What did they see when they spied on Cain, and 10 were bad, and 2 were good? And then they sing about what they saw, right? They saw uh, mountains big and tall. They saw grapes and clusters fall. And uh, they, you know, they see this wonderful, good land, which is exactly the way that God has explained it to them. It's exactly the land that he told them he was going to be giving to them. But they also saw giants. And they come back to offer their report. And 10 of them essentially say, no way. This isn't going to happen. It's too difficult. Yes, the land is exactly what God said it would be. Isn't that amazing? God, God knew what he was talking about. It's exactly what he said it was going to be. But we can't take this land. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought fruit of the land, and they told him, oh, say, sorry, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land, and they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak. Those are the giants there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negeb. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea 
and along the Jordan. Yes, it's exactly like he said, but man, there are a lot of people there. And some of them are really big and really scary. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it. For we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out. I don't know if you know this, but the Israelite people spent about a year and, well, about 11 months and five days at the foot of Mount Sinai. And then it's a, a fairly short journey from there to the Jordan River where they prepare to cross over. Not very long at all. In, in total, it's estimated that they spent about two years from the time that they left Egypt until the time that they arrive at the edge of the Promised Land. And there's several months before they arrive at Sinai, and then they spend about a year at Sinai, and then they spend several months moving towards Israel, Canaan, the Promised Land. Not Israel yet, but it will be. And when they get there, they've had time to reflect this, this sort of one-year pause in their lives. A moment in time where they were able to be prepared for what God was going to do, to embrace the identity God had given them, to accept the responsibility and mission he had sent them on. And yes, there was grumbling and complaining. In fact, just before this, uh, we see that um, Miriam and Aaron grumbled and complained against Moses. And shortly after, we're going to see that the Israelite people grumble and complain against Moses. And they say, no, we're not going in there. In fact, uh, chapter 31, it says, so Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. This is, this is what uh, Jim read to us. And he, he tells them, you know, I'm 120 years old. I'm not going to leave you. Joshua's going to leave you. This is the way it's going to be. I just need, this is Deuteronomy now. I, I need you guys to go in. Follow Joshua. Do what Joshua says. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dis dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And it sounds like this should have come right after Caleb's little speech. No, we can do this. We've got it. And these, these men jump up and they say, no, no, we can't do it. And then Moses would come and he'd say, no, I'm telling you, I'm too old for this, but Joshua's not. You go in there. You do this thing. And Moses is 80 years old, 80 some odd years old at this point, maybe 82 or so. Uh, at the end of the last passage here, he's 120 years old. When Moses was 80 years old, you would have thought he would have got up and given this speech. But there's a gap of 40 years from Numbers chapter 13 until Deuteronomy chapter 31. 
40 years. And it's just on the other side of the river. 40 years that the people stand outside waiting to accomplish the mission that they left the foot of Mount Sinai to accomplish. After their year learning to be God's people in quiet reflection, maybe not always quiet because there's thunder on the mountain, but an opportunity to shape themselves, to learn the practices God intended for them. And for whatever reason, for 40 years, they stay outside of the land. And of course, we know the reason is that God tells them this entire generation who has said, we side with the 10 who think that we can't do this. They're not going into the promised land. Something that should have happened 40 years beforehand didn't. After a year of reflecting on who they were, on a year of reflecting on what God was to them, who he was to them, his presence among them, these people approached the mission afraid. God called them to do something, said he would do something through them because they hadn't taken the message to heart, they were afraid. So here, 40 years later, Moses tells them not to be afraid. Be strong and courageous, he says to them. Be strong and courageous. Here, it took you 40 years to figure it out, but you know who you are now, right? You understand the mission that God has for you. You understand that for the last 40 years, you've been dependent and reliant on him. You know what he has in store for you. You still remember what it is that Caleb said about the promised land. And you know that there are no giants there that are too big for our God. Be strong and courageous. Joshua will be there with you. You know Joshua, he's a good guy. And then in Joshua chapter 1, we pick up the story because Moses has gone up the mountain to die. He literally tells the people, all right, I'm done with you. I'm going to go up the mountain and I'm going to die now. And then God takes his body away and buries it in private. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all his people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel, that I am giving to them. I want you to hear that. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. And now the words of Moses 
are echoed in the words of God, but this time to one specific individual. Moses told the Israelite people, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I will be with you. Well, God will be with you, Moses tells the people. And here, God tells Joshua, you're going to lead my people. Be strong and courageous. I will not leave you or forsake you. And he tells them again. And then we have this dialogue. Joshua tells the people, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do. We're going into the promised land. God has, has said that this is what we will do. And he goes to a group of people who have kind of settled on the east side of the Jordan River. People who have a place, a comfortable place. Israelites, whom God has already given land to. He says, I need you to come with the rest of us to do this next thing. And your, your children, your wives, they'll stay here but you need to come with us so that your brothers can inherit the land that God is going to give to them. And their response is this, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Now that's a scary statement, just as we obeyed Moses in all things. Well, we know how they obeyed Moses, right? Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. And now the Israelites use the same words Moses and God have used. Only be strong and courageous. I want us to think for just a moment here again about this idea that for about 11 months and five days, the Israelite people stayed at the foot of Mount Sinai. And I, I don't always like the idea of trying to overlay our own situation on uh, an image in scripture, but I think that there's some benefit here to this. There are two options we have when we face a period of stillness. We can either use it to reflect on the identity that God has given us, to embrace a mission, to think long and hard about who we are going to be when we come out on the other side of this thing. And God built this into the, the identity of Israel, into their history. A year of just learning to be God's people. A people that should have been ready for the mission at the end of that period of time. But it took them 40 years to get the message. We've been through a year, a little over a year at this point. We've had the opportunity to spend a lot of time talking about, thinking about, planning for, preparing to regroup and put ourselves to the mission that God has intended for us. And now that we are right on the edge, I want to ask you the question, how will we as the congregation that exists right now fulfill the mission that God has laid before us? Will we send out spies, ask what the problems are that we need to address, what, what are those things that we can work on, hear the report and say, yeah, it's too big. It's too much. There are too many things that need to be taken care of and we are not big enough for it. 
Or will we recognize that the God who dwells among us, the fire that's come off the mountain, the spirit that dwells in our hearts, is bigger than any problem we might face as a congregation. It's bigger than any problem that our community faces. It is bigger than any problem that our country faces. It is bigger than any problem that our world faces. Because sometimes I think that we think, you know, we're a small congregation. We, we can't address big problems. We need to work on the small things. Small things are important. Don't neglect the small things. But it's not about our size. It's about the size of the God that dwells among us. I hope it doesn't take us 40 years to figure that out. I hope that it's not something that after a year of reflection that we, we now get to the edge of this work that God has prepared for us and we balk at the opportunity. Regrouping means recognizing that we now have a mission ahead of us. That there is work that God has prepared. That over the last year, God has done work within our congregation. We've, we've had tremendous successes and moments of victory in the last year. But God has much more work planned for us as a congregation to do. People to bless. People to take care of. Problems to see the end of. And we have the opportunity to cross the land after 11, or cross the river after 11 months and five days. Instead of spending 40 years wondering, what if we had just said yes? I want to think about those words in, in Deuteronomy one more time. When Moses sends them away from him, because he's too old to go do it himself. And he says, and the Lord will give them over to you and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. You know, we have a verse very similar to that that comes at the end of the book of Matthew where Jesus tells his disciples, go, go into all the world making disciples of all nations and teach them to keep all that I have commanded you. Not just you keep the commandments I've given to you. Teach them to keep all of the commandments I have given you and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. In the same way that God was going to be with the Israelites going into Canaan, to accomplish the mission that he had laid at their feet. God is with us to accomplish the mission that he has laid at our feet. To make disciples of all nations. Starting with the nation of Newburgh. And working our way out. This week, uh, there will be a letter coming out to the congregation. Uh, it's something that the, the elders have been talking about. We want to encourage members of our congregation to consider what God has been calling you to, the work that he has placed on your heart, the work of the church here in Newburgh, the works we're already doing, and the works that maybe we haven't begun yet. And the letter is just an encouragement to consider it, to ponder it, to think about, pray about, 
Ask God for guidance in the things that he's calling you to do under the guidance, support, uh, encouragement, and equipping of this congregation. And when the letter comes out, you know, it's, it's easy sometimes to get a communication from the church and be like, well, I got four emails this week. I also got uh, the bulletin. You know, I don't need any more communication. And then to set it aside and not really pay attention to it. I want to encourage you, when the letter comes, stick it somewhere where you're going to see it for the next few days, for the next week or so. Pray about the mission of our church, the work that God has prepared us for. Pray about how you can be involved in that work. Now, there are some people that we know immediately how you plan to be involved because you've told us, because we've spoken to you about it. But the elders are also going to be approaching individuals. And if you already know what you want to do, don't wait for them to approach you. Approach them. Do not wait 40 years and ask, what if? Find yourself prepared. And then recognize the God that dwells inside of you is bigger than the problems that face anyone. Let's pray. Father God, it's time for us to regroup, to rediscover the mission of your church. And, and that doesn't mean we haven't spent time in the last year doing the work of the church. It doesn't mean that we've dropped the ball. It doesn't mean that we've failed to do what it is that you've called us to do. But God, right now, we feel a sense of urgency. We know that the kingdom has lots of opportunity ahead of us. God, the, the harvest is plentiful. Help the workers in this congregation to be many. Help us to embrace this opportunity. Help us to see how big the God that dwells inside of us is, to, to be willing, Father, to set aside our fear and to be strong and courageous. Help us to take up this mission and to do the good work that you have prepared for us to do. It's all this that we pray in your son's name. Amen. If you have a need of the church this morning, if you need prayer for a situation in your life, if you are struggling in some way, uh, if, you, if you want to be baptized, if you want to take on a new identity and become a part of the kingdom of heaven, we want to encourage you to do that. And, uh, you know, we, we normally would invite people up to the front. Uh, right now, we're just encouraging, find, find myself or an elder or, or Kyle at the back of the auditorium. We will be there to visit with you and find out what your needs are and the ways in which we can serve you. We're going to sing, and uh, I want to encourage you, don't, don't hesitate as you hear the call that God has given to you. Come on up, Zach. What a great message this morning. Um, one of my favorite things to think about uh, is, not a favorite thing, that's not a good way to put it. Uh, it's, I'm always interested to know about uh, the way that people remember, uh, how we remember and how uh, we put a lot of our merit in how much we remember. Uh, our, our past, we think about things um, often about how we uh, you know, we were there. It's like I was there yesterday. You say that all the time. Um, and how the peop God's people were literally led out of Egypt by a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, and then they forget uh, who, who is their God. And I think it uh, goes to show, not to, not to diminish them, I think it just goes to show who we are as human beings and how fickle we can get if we're not constantly reminding ourselves who we are, you know, who we are in God. Um, 
So thank you, Chris. Um, as we have spent a good year and some change, um, a little bit lost, uh, it's, it's good to be reminded who we are and the power that we can, we have, we can have in a community um, that is, uh, you know, th through God, through God, the power that we can have in a community, the effect that we can have uh, with our um, brothers and sisters around us. Um, so thank you so much, Chris. Let's go ahead and stand for these next couple songs here, and then we will partake in communion. <clears throat> Restore my spirit, Lord, I need restored. My heart is weary, please help me, dear Lord. I stand in need of more strength from your word. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul. Revive the fire, Lord, deep in my soul. Stir my desire to work in your fold. Light in my heart, dear God, your zeal grow cold. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul. Renew my courage, Lord, it needs restored. My cup is empty, refill it, dear Lord. Replace all doubts and fears with faith so bold. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, when in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Be seated. I haven't been up here for a while, so it's a little strange. And um, like Chris, I don't know whether to put my mask on or take it off or, or when I should and so on and so forth. Anyway, long story short, I'm here. 
And uh, first thing first though, one of the things is, is that when you live at home and you're watching online, you get to see the back of the head of about two people and the person that's standing up front. And that's all you get to see. And uh, I know that, oh, stop that. Anyway, this is for my wife, who is at home still, will hopefully will be with us next week. And <clears throat> hopefully she'll get to see all your faces if that goes through, it should. All right. For, uh, I feel kind of like a Zach. Is it, anyway, I, like I kind of need to introduce myself because I haven't been here for 14 and a half months. And uh, <coughs> sorry, that's a little hurt. a little hard on me. Um, I'm Chuck Harley. Uh, I've been a member here most of my life, that kind of thing. Uh, and if you don't, I, most of you know me. If you don't know me, I'm Nelda's husband. Uh, and uh, I'm glad to be here. Nelda hopes to be back. Uh, Nelda says hi to everybody. She just replied. Um, uh, anyway, it's, it's exciting to be here. This morning I was, I ran into some verses, uh, well not, was it this, anyway, no it was last night. I ran into some verses, I was trying to figure out how to tie what Chris was going to say in with the Lord's Supper, and I ran into some verses in, in Hebrews chap, chapter 3, because I had been looking at uh, trying to figure out what it means that... Uh, Sabbath was created for man and not man for the Sabbath. Uh, and Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath from Mark, I think, chapter 2. I've been working on that and thinking about that. And then uh, a friend of mine, Greg, uh, sent me to Hebrews to, when he was talking about where the Hebrew writer talks about the Sabbath wrath. Anyway, all bringing all that together, uh, I found these verses. And it, I think they're really great. Uh, it starts, the first verse, one of the phrases in the first verse is, so it says, so keep thinking about Jesus. And that's what the Lord's Supper is. It's about thinking about Jesus, remembering him and the sacrifices that he made and the life he lived and the, the example he set for us. So I'd like to read Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. He says, holy brothers and sisters, God shows you to be his people. So keep thinking about Jesus. We embrace him as our apostle and our high priest. Moses was faithful in everything he did in the house of God. In the same way, Jesus was faithful to God who appointed him. The person who builds a house has greater honor than the house itself. In the same way, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Every house is built by someone but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as one who serves in the house of God. He was witness to what God would say in the days to come. But Christ is faithful as a son over the house of God. 
and we are his house, if we hold tight to what we are certain about, we must also hold tightly to keep the host hope we boast in. Moses was a servant of God who helped to build the house of Israel, to create a people who were willing to come in and follow God and take over the promised land. Moses had a job as a servant, but it was God who was building it. Moses was their earthly leader, but it was God who was building the house of Moses through all the things, the wandering in the desert, the time at Mount Sinai, the passing through the Red Sea, and eventually following Joshua as he entered into the promised land and they took, took over Canaan. It was Moses who worked as a servant to build a, that, that nation into being able to do that. Because before, when they left Israel, they were nothing more than slaves. But now they are a people, an army who are ready to conquer. But in the same way, Jesus, as the Son of God, builds his house as a servant. You go back and you can read in Philippians chapter 2 about how Jesus did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but took on the very nature of a servant. And he died on the cross for us. And God raised him again from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Christ is faithful to us. And this morning as we take of the Lord's Supper, that's what we're here for. We're here to think about Jesus, to remember him. So that in his house, which we are, then we will hold tight to what we are certain about and hold tightly to the hope that we boast in. Now notice what he says. Not just hold tightly to the hope that we have, but hold tightly to the hope that we boast in. I believe that the Lord's Supper is for us to come together to remember Jesus, to remember the sacrifice that he made, and to remember the life that he lived so that we can have, one, the hope of eternal life, but that we may also boast about it, that we may tell the good news, the story of Jesus to the world, to our friends, to our neighbors, so that we can spread the word. That's the reason we're here. That's the reason we meet on Sunday morning. Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. That we gather together to do these things so that we can remember Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for allowing him to come and to build his house. Allowing him to come to die on the cross so that we might have the hope of eternal life. This morning, Father, as we partake of the bread, let us remember that this is the body of Christ, the church, the house, the house of God. In your son's name we pray, amen.
pray with me again. Holy God and Father, thank you again for Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for the blood that he shed that cleanses me of my sins and makes me whole, that gives me the ability to live in your presence. Thank you, Father, for the gift of the Spirit that marks me as your child. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. I'm amazed at how nervous I am. I spent 30 years, as, 30 some years as a teacher. And, um, but not having got up in front of a group for a long time, it's a little bit, shakes you a little bit. And uh, I apologize for my shakiness. And uh, anyway, if you're interested in giving, uh, there, I could read that. Uh, there are ways to do it through your bank, bill pay, drop it off, uh, write a check. Uh, without my num <laughs> without my glasses on, that check looks like Chuck, but don't give it to me, I promise I don't want it. Well, no, I don't. <laughs> anyway, you, know, you can also give online. Okay. So please uh, remember, there's, there's a lot to do. The Lord has, I think, has great plans for this church. <coughs> Um, I remember um, several years ago at um, TLC, Randy, uh, what's his name from Abilene? What? What? Randy Harris. Randy Harris. Yeah, thank you. Um, Randy uh, was talking about praying and... Um, one of the things he talked about was praying the big prayer. We have this tendency to think too small. And as Chris was talking about, about we have a tendency to think about things in the kingdom in terms of how small we are. Forgetting how big God is and how powerful he is. And... Um, Randy said, you need to learn to pray the big prayer. You need to ask God to do big things. And you need to be a part of those big things. This congregation, um, even though it's kind of smallish compared to some of the other bigger ones on other parts of the country, and even down the road a few miles, has done amazing things. We have done things that congregations that I know of, of two or 3,000, would give their eye teeth to be able to brag about. And it's because individuals were called by God to do big things. So be prepared. I'm convinced that God has good things, great things to do with us. Thank you.
sing this last song together here. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. King of all days, oh, so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Spent with you. I don't like these things. <laughs> uh, just before we have the closing prayer, uh, I'd like to make a little announcement. And I really appreciate, Chris, for you break the ground for what I uh, would like to say. We have a problem. Our Moses is got, getting old. Our Moses, I'm re referring to, is Gene Smutzler. Bless his heart. And that for years, he has taken care of the backyard out here, mowed it down, kept it looking good, and the weeds and grass was under control. Well, bless his heart, Moses can't do that anymore. So, since I'm kind of in charge of the building and the grounds and so on and so forth, I am looking for somebody, oh, no, I'm not looking, I'm begging, begging <laughs> somebody to, of the next generation, to take that upon themselves with a lighting lawnmower or tractor, whatever you might have, to keep that under control. So, if somebody 
would love to do a job for that, please let me know, because it is a time when it needs to be knocked down. Thank you. And I have a 13-inch uh, lawnmower you can borrow. It'll probably take you five hours, but... Uh... <laughs> Thank you for being here uh, this morning. I'm encouraged uh, by Chris's words. Um, this is a time to look to God, to look to God for our future. Uh, let's pray as we close together. Father God, as you send us out into our community... I pray that we would be lights, that we would be filled with your spirit, that we would be people who others can recognize that you are among us by our words, by our actions. And God, help us to have the faith that is strong and courageous, the faith to pray those big prayers and to think about how you could use us to do big things in your community, knowing that it's not us alone that, it, that it's doing it, that it's you. Uh, give us that faith, Lord, and give us that, that drive to be your people and to help your kingdom grow. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. You're dismissed.